So hello, everybody. Welcome to American Entrepreneur. So this is going to be one of our special segments, um, playing with a whole bunch of ideas as we get the new podcast off the ground. And today we're with Brandon Stevens. How's it going? Good. I'm doing good. We just been talking. So now I'm all like, I'm already <laughs> piped into it. Let's go. Yeah, I'm How's doing it? good, Chris. I'm super busy today. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So the point of this podcast this is going to be one of our monthly specials. Uh, Brandon and I are going to sit together because we are both all over the place as far as entrepreneurship goes. And uh, we're going to we share need that with the world. T-shirts from Strike Fear. I can definitely do that. Like, you know, like my my day is crazy. Like I came back from my day job, right, that I'm working now. Mm-hmm. Um, I had got an order of shirts in at the co-work, so I picked those up. I just pressed those so they're ready for a client just before you and I got on. Nice. Uh, I'm working on another design. I'm wearing this new sweatshirt and I'm putting a new design on it. So I was trying to find that before you reached out or before we started. So yeah, that's when I do a lot of stuff. So I always laugh when people are like, you know, I don't have enough time to do anything. And I'm like, shut up. Like I have plenty of time to do other things. Get it on the calendar. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I work a full-time job now, which I hate, but uh, it's going to means to an end, right? Right. No, I mean, like you were telling me that your job literally is like working, getting paid to work your job is building your business. So correct. Like it's, and, it's uh, a beautiful. That's actually something to be grateful for. That's a beautiful unison. You've struck, you struck the lottery there. Yeah. So, and that's smart. That's really smart. Yeah. I mean, I was hoping it was smart. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so you're getting paid to market. Absolutely. And the company was cool with it. So I'm cool with it. Right. So we go out. I think more companies should be like that. I mean, I get, I understand like, because I come from home improvement and roofing from my last Mm -hmm. job I've held way back in the day. Um, so I understand from that concept, like when you hire a subcontractor in roofing home improvement, you don't really want them pitching your customers for, you know, doing the same job. However, I do like jobs that when unison allies that aren't direct competitors, they still allow you to be like, oh yeah, you can work for us and grow your business. We totally understand that. Like that's really cool to companies. Yeah, absolutely. And I get it on then them it's kind of a reputation thing so you just want to make sure that people that aren't awful you know because it yeah. is scam artists stuff like that. yeah but you know for me i'm not worried about that yeah like you're not going to tint their when your customers windows and then come back in the middle of the night scrape it off and resell them <laughs> yeah because yeah. Yeah. i've done a couple of clients already just from my normal um my day job who um they have tint on their windows already uh-huh. so i just talk to them about tinting more of their windows <laughs> you know i'm like this looks you pretty good you know the power of this absolutely and uh i went to one where the tint was awful and i didn't even start the conversation they're like oh window cleaners do you know anyone who tints i'm like yes i do it's me <laughs> and i hand them one of my cards i'm like thank you <laughs> does the tint like bubbly do you mean awful like that or no um awful as in it's old so uh-huh no matter what you do, tin will die down. Um, and what it'll do is in certain places where you touch it a lot, it'll start cracking and peeling. And so over 10, 20 plus years, you'll eventually have areas where you know uh, the tin's going to break. Now on a restaurant, what typically happens is when someone's carrying their food, they'll press the door with their foot, 
right? So right, right, right in that spot, <laughs> there's a big piece of tint missing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> from True. so many people opening the door with their feet, um, that is just over time. The door from the kitchen to the dining room and stuff, and yeah, it, yeah, like the front door, whatever door. So. All those places I'm going to start looking see. for that now. Thank you. I'm never going to forget that. I'm every, every restaurant I go in, I'm going to look at the corner door and be like, where is this? Where's the tent missing, Chris? <laughs> yeah. So you see that in a lot of places. And uh, you also see it in not even with just tint, but uh, think about a wall or a door. Right. Wherever people will touch it, it'll, that's where it'll start fading and breaking down more over time. So if you're... I, I'll just pick a business, a painter or like a construction person. That's where you look through your house and you can kind of gauge people's daily habits <laughs> by true. based on the tear of their homes, which is very interesting. Uh, right. When I was in the army, I did, uh, I forget what they call it. Now they call it something else, but it's situational awareness training. I think yeah. they call it NLP or something like that now. Um, so you can, you can gauge a lot about people from watching them and then kind of looking at the surroundings. So kind of no, side thought. That's cool. That's really, really <laughs> now and understand. Now yeah. I know that you're like the tent FBI. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of I wouldn't say FBI because I don't trust them, but you know. <laughs> you know are your employees stealing from you? We can tell by your tent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that'd be really funny. But you can also tell <laughs> That's cool though. Yeah, you can tell a lot of weird things from tent, like the the person that did the tent job. You know how well did they clean the glass? You know, there's a lot of things you can tell just right. by how it was put on. But so far, the worst jobs I've ever seen are mine when I was practicing. The other ones are, aren't too bad. So, but uh, there's also not a lot of people around here that do tent. So it was a great business to get yeah, into. A great business to start. I mean, I don't know a ton because in New Hampshire's previous, I don't know how much has changed because I don't keep track on it. But I know. New Hampshire used to hate people at tent period, and now it's like it is changing, right? Yeah, they just changed the laws on automobiles, so it, it's never really being an issue with homes because I don't do auto; I just do. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, you do residential, auto. commercial. Yeah. So with auto, it's changed just a little bit recently, where they now allow up to seventy percent on the front, which is stupid. That's like factory level tent. Yeah. Um, but it's at least moving in the right direction. So now we'll just keep pushing. Yeah. I used to love it. Well, New Hampshire was like, live for your diet, unless you have 10. <laughs> yeah. Live for your diet. Unless you do one of these 70 things, you know, right. Like really can't do that. Like Massachusetts allows you to have 10. You, you come, we can't like, really? Oh gosh. Yeah. And then places where there's more sun, it's usually better. They always, they always quote the, what is it like? They would talk. Oh, it's for safety of the police. And I'm like, when the police come up to your windows, you roll them down. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, like you don't just have them all up hot boxing the car. Yeah, yeah. Up. It's like that's a stupid excuse, you know. <laughs> so for the police, well, I mean, I don't think they can see into the car as they drive by at eighty miles an hour. <laughs> Correct. And so what I usually get is, oh, so they can look in the back, you know. As they're walking, shit for no probable cause. No, thank you. Thank you, absolutely probable cause. I'm like, no, you don't need to look into my vehicle. You can see me when not, you come up to my window. Other than that, get a warrant. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. How much? Yeah. You pull me over because I'm speeding. It's because I'm speeding, not because I might have something in the car. Yeah, yeah. So that's no, fun. So that's kind of a sidetrack from 
anything we were supposed to be talking about, which is super <laughs> funny. We get into good conversations. I don't care. Absolutely. And that's the best part about this and the businesses and a lot of businesses start from these stupid conversations. I don't know how many businesses I've started or been part of the conversation for that started just on something super dumb. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's just conversations like this all day. I mean, it's like you said, it, it can do anything. I mean, like I gave Ray the whole idea for Impact Annex off a conversation. Like, yeah, just rolls. I love that. I love that though. So, rolling from that, we were originally going to have this entire segment be about like ADHD ideas for businesses. <laughs> so. What needs to be in the state that's not here? What's something? Let's talk about something today. What's a good oh. subject? What's a good oh business that needs to be around here that we can kind of like focus on for a minute? So off the top of my head, I have no idea. Now I can always say I love food. So the more restaurants, the better. I'm always up for that. Dude, they're like so in keen. I don't understand why business owners do this. Holy shit. So they're like, we have a Panera Bread. Yeah. They're like opening up a second one. I was like, why are we doing two within like, like I can like make it from five to 10, eight minutes drive from one to the other. Yeah. Like I, obviously they're doing it for a reason, but I'm like, can we put another restaurant in please? (laughs) But you see that with uh, Dunkin' Donuts. That's like probably the most egregious (laughs) of them where you, or in Starbucks is kind of the same way. Where you get like, there's one, you walk out a door, and there's another one across the street. I think, uh, what's his name? Ron White. I, I forget. Some comedian does this really funny bit about Starbucks and how, like, when you walk out of a Starbucks, you look across the street, and there's another Starbucks across the street. <laughs> and he's like, if you stand between them, time stands still. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh my and, God. I forget who it is. I forget some crazy dude. I always liked his. Uh, it's definitely not Ron White. Now that I think of it, but whatever. So I always just heard they should make a law. If you live in a town that does not have a Chipotle, you are not allowed to have multiple restaurants. <laughs> right, right. No, I like, agree. That's probably like my favorite fast food place, and I eat it there all the time. It's it's really we bad. One, we have one in Keene. It finally came in a couple of years ago. We have one up there. Um, that's interesting. Like, but. You know, that's something I, there's, there's more, a lot of fast food places, but um, yeah, I'm going to get sidetracked here. So we're going to go. Yeah. So I would say for businesses that need to be in, we'll, let's talk restaurants for a second because restaurants right. come and go all the time. I'm not a huge, I don't hate restaurants, especially big chains. Um, I, I, but I also do hate fast food. I think it's really bad for yeah our culture um, as far as fat. <laughs> I'm, oh, you mean like in Brattleboro and it's like Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's, Taco Bell, KFC, like in a lineup, like you must swing that and knock them down. All those places, right? Yeah. I was like, There's, all right, yeah. As a gent who's always suffered with being heavy and uh, right. not liking to Super cook. convenient. It's, yeah, and that's, it's that's just bad. Why it works. Yeah. Why? So I've always, I've always, yeah, I've always had an issue with fast food places. Um, but it, to use their own, right? Um but I, I like restaurants that are like mom and pop ones. Yeah. They, the food's usually better. <laughs> usually better Lindy's, for you. Lindy's Diner in Keene. That's a mom and pop shop. And I really like them. Yeah. 
They used to have, the, there was an old fashioned diner. You used to walk in, you used to have like the whole, I don't know if you remember the tables with like all the ads from like the 70s and 80s on the table under the glass type of deal. So you can yeah, see yeah. like that, that cool stuff. I like that. I used to love going that place. Yeah. And so in Hillsboro, um, there's a little restaurant called Taco Biondo. So it reminds I've me a lot of, heard of that, but now I want to go there. It's awesome. Right. Um, so there is a, so you got Chipotle and then you got like Taco Biondo, which if, if, there, <laughs> yeah. if there was one, that name, absolutely. It's amazing. So we call it body by Biondo. <laughs> well, we just go crazy. Every time we go there, I cannot help but order the biggest thing on the menu, which is right. too much food for one person supposed to be able to eat in one sitting, but I'm fat. So whatever. Right. So, <laughs> Um, so that place is amazing, but it's in Hillsborough. It's in this, this little like hole in the wall restaurant mm-hmm. that when you walk in, you're like, what is this place? There's like hand painted, like, um, like Mexican stuff on the wall. So like the, the skulls with the hats and I'm like, this place creeps me out, but the food's amazing. So, <laughs> I mean, that's cool. <laughs> it's yeah. Like- yeah. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, I've never heard of that place. I gotta go there. I mean, I don't go through Hillsboro much, but now I'm have an excuse to drive up there. Yeah, I went out your way once. It was a couple weeks ago. I was doing a tent job in uh, I forgot where. It's it was closer to Keene than I would have wanted to drive with these gas prices. Right. And uh, as I was on my way out there, I even texted you. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm heading out your way because why not make some money, yeah. right? So yeah, I, I passed by and I was like, oh, I definitely stopped like <laughs> taco beyond though mm. you go there and buy everything on the menu it sounds good and probably ten thousand times better than taco bell absolutely absolutely if i had to get rid of anything i would get rid of taco bell i don't know how people live after they eat there like i, I every time i think it's a good idea i'm i i regret it like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ever a good idea like i literally put in the notes in my phone never eat taco bell <laughs> yeah if it was me it would be like oh what's that old game uh kill mary fornicate <laughs> yeah yeah it's like pg-13 audience yeah yeah kill taco bell <laughs> mary chipotle maybe have a fling with uh taco beyond i'm not sure which <laughs> order i would do that in <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah see you going i can't just i've never been in there but i just picture you laying on the table like i'll sprawl out like taco bihanta you should you need to do commercials for them like all right we're going to go there and we're going to pitch the boss all right whoever you are who owns the place look we need a commercial for you guys from chris right just we walk into the place chris is on a table all like sexed up looking and he just says in a soft voice taco bihanta <laughs> we're talking about an ad that would instantly make you lose market share anything with <laughs> anything with me not completely dressed is just not not good for your market share that's not a good advertising be real. are you kidding me they would everyone would be like i don't know who these guys are but we're definitely going now <laughs> it's like that man likes taco beyond <laughs> oh man that's hysterical oh geez all right great marketing idea we got it <laughs> So talking about well, out of fear. You know what? They allow us to do that all, all front. <laughs> I just want to do it. <laughs> That's super funny. You hear that taco beyond? <laughs> like we will make your next commercial for you. <laughs> just so we can say we done this. 
Oh, it's almost like one of those. Uh, you ever seen a commercial where after you've done watching it, you stare at it and you're like, what was the thought process before they like oh, where everyone gets in the room? They're like, that's the one we want. This is like this is exactly how that happens. <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch a lot of TV, but occasionally I walk out and TV's on and I'll walk by a commercial that is like the entire point of the commercial has nothing to do with the commercial. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't. I was like, why did we spend millions? Why did this person? Because you know it's on TV, and you know they spent millions of dollars on it because it's actually the budget to get most commercials like that on TV. Like for uh, so, like in the world of real estate, to run like one commercial one time, it's like twenty six thousand dollars for the most yeah. basic package on most networks. So you know that these big, big high level high production commercials they've gone over seven figures yeah absolutely. and then you look at them and you're like i like it will start with one thing and then it's like at the end it was like so it'd be like a guy like a like a spy and like an agent like driving a fast car with a sexy woman and then like go to you know like and they're like doing all this cool shit and then like at the very end of it it'll be like it'll be like stop hpv <laughs> it's like what yeah i don't know i don't know what makes people i don't know it's crazy like i I don't even have words to go over some of the weird commercials Mm -hmm. i've seen in my days (laughs) so uh what's a a business what is a local what what does it need you think like because i like i've we you and i have talked several things we talked about shipping ideas we talked about a um, hundred different things. We've tried to do things before. Um, there's we, you and I te- technically end up seeing a lot that should be in New Hampshire, but the lack of, I want to say lack of entrepreneurship, even though like, I, I hate to say that because I believe there are people with great ideas that could be entrepreneurs, but yeah. I don't run into them. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, what is something that you wish would just start up that would help the local economy? Maybe in Londonderry. Maybe focus it down on Londonderry. I don't know. I'm I'm actually just not sure. Like, there's a lot of things that need to happen or should happen. Um, this place is so small; it's hard to. You say that, but yes, Hensdale. What's that? You say it's small. Come Hensdale. Oh, I don't doubt that. Right? Not like so, under three thousand people here. Absolutely. And I think that's always been the issue with New Hampshire is it's um, what is there it, under 2 million, I want to say, in the entire state. So, you yeah, have... our entire state is 1.3 million, which oh, okay. is just under the population of Dallas, Texas. I have a friend in Dallas. So we always joke about that. Our entire our entire state fits in his city. Correct. So the way I look at it and think about it is the problem with entrepreneurship in New Hampshire, which is why I stopped the New Hampshire business show. Um, is the entire state, like you said, 1.3 million, where if you go to LA, Dallas, Miami, any of those places, you're probably going to get the same number of people all within like 10, 20 miles of the place, right? So just by sheer numbers, the amount of entrepreneurs you're going to run into is a lot better (laughs) in those areas, right? Networking effect. Absolutely. So when I want to talk to other entrepreneurs, 
I've got to drive like an hour or two in any direction to go to either like Hinsdale or drive out to Portsmouth or up to Lebanon where, you know, in some of these places, you know, I walk out the door, walk 20 feet down the road and here's another group of entrepreneurs. <laughs> right. So it's, it's definitely challenging here. Um, and that's, again, the reason I stopped the New Hampshire business show is the, I just don't think the entrepreneurs got it at least not yet. Like they've got to see better examples. They've got to grow a little bit. Um, it's You're a very... about 20, 15, 20 minutes away from like Nashville and Manchester though. So right. right? Yep. I'd say those are probably like the biggest hubs for possible potential entrepreneurship and startup ideas because anybody I see doing anything in New Hampshire is kind of in that area. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when you look at the, I know this is more of a national podcast, but the uh, in New Hampshire, you have the 93 um, interstate or whatever. So up 93 is where you're going to get most of your population. Um, mm-hmm. So Nashua, Londonderry, Manchester, Concord. And then you take 101 out to the seacoast, you got like Portsmouth, that area. So that's where most of your population is. Anything big happening in the state is typically along that stretch. So from Manchester to um, Portsmouth by the coast, you'll, you'll see a lot of stuff going on there. And then between Boston and Manchester, which again, 93, that's where yeah. you're going to get your most of your kick. So I'm, I'm in a good area that way. Mm-hmm. But again, if I just drove an hour south to Boston, right, I could I could probably have tons of entrepreneurs to talk yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, Massachusetts know? and stuff. That's uh, <laughs> I, no, talk, I talk I, to Ray all the time. I know how Massachusetts is. <laughs> yeah. Now, if I could just not deal with Massachusetts, that'd be phenomenal. <laughs> I, I would. I'd, I'd start the mass business show. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the two hour drive when I was up in the Connecticut when I had a friend up at the Connecticut and Rhode Island area, business is booming up that way yeah like pat even outside of massachusetts like there is wherever i forget where exactly we were but where we used to go it was just like it was like right on the border of rhode island and mm-hmm. it was in connecticut and it was like some of the most wealthiest places i've seen and like at, like uber and doordash would go to any house in the area and it was like su- super fast and there were tons of businesses and i was like i always used to think connecticut and the, you know like those areas were dead or i mean or similar like us up here and turns out like holy crap have i been missing out on that area i was like it's like prime for um i'm gonna remember i'll remember the town eventually but uh there there is pockets in different states high density pockets of wealth and like areas that are prime for incubation of entrepreneurship and startup ventures that many of us in the new england area just don't know about yeah, I muted myself because my kid is having a meltdown oh, upstairs. So I'm like, let's mute that. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man, that is not funny. I'm glad I'm down here and she's right. up there. <laughs> what happened? I don't know. It's my wife's problem. She can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> not my problem. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, and like, so like I said, I'm always conflicted. If I started to co-work in Mass closer to Boston, I would probably be flush with members having having a good old time but i don't want to be massachusetts i want to be growing new hampshire right so that's always been the sticking point for the co-work where i'm like ah it's it's a good location the people love to work from home and don't see the point of a co-working space that's always been my struggle (laughs) right so getting the co-working mentality 
stuck in has been difficult. That's kind of my biggest problem. So I think if I kind of go back to your original question, if I could do anything with New Hampshire and what in businesses that are needed, I think the the caliber of business entrepreneurs needs to be up. I would have to that would be my uh, my answer to the biggest need <laughs> is the entrepreneurs need to wake up to the 21st century. Uh, Why do you, do you think it's just because of the education system around here and the fact that our population is so spread out? It's kind of like, even though we are in the age of the internet, the people around here just haven't collected that mindset yet. I mean, I want to say that is because like, I, I obviously I'm in the middle of nowhere and I'm Southern New Hampshire in a small town that is not prime at all for entrepreneurship. And I'm, over here and I've been doing it for years and I've been building my own stuff for years and working stuff. And now I'm in the private equity game and I'm 27 years old and I'm partnering people to buy businesses and get equity in businesses. So obviously it clicked for me, but the only reason it clicked for me was because I was on like digital landscape online. Like I, I had to force myself out of this small town mindset. So, I mean, we don't, I feel like if we had, more people in my town or like more things going on than that wouldn't have been such a hard like 360 to get that mindset but that could be the biggest pop problem in new hampshire is just like the lack of knowledge about things right so it's it's a kind of a mix of things i believe um it's we live in a place that's very old school i speak to entrepreneurs all the time who are like wow especially when i used to do marketing Mm-hmm. They would ask, or I would ask them, how do you get your leads? How are you working on this type of stuff? And they're like, we want to be pretty much referral only, right? So they want to be one of those types of people. They're like, word of mouth marketing, that's all we want to be. I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's, there's plenty of opportunities to grow your business with word of mouth. That's fine. That's, that's, that's just one marketing plan. Like that shouldn't be a marketing plan. Correct. You grow, right? You you have word of mouth. That's fine, but you need a way to be seen the first time. You know, if no one sees you, no one's going to talk about you. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, people people hunt for in bet like, and that's 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 true. That's a big thing. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people that we've been talking to, me and Ray, on that side of things, um, very few have marketing plans at all. Like, and we have, me and Ray have for, for IA, we built, I helped him build a seven stage. Like I, you, it's technically a business plan, but it's also, it, it's a business plan. It's basically a seven step process to grow his business. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so it's like the Bible of what we build by kind of, and that includes how we're going to market, how we're going to do things, but in a predictable way and referrals are not predictable. They aren't. I mean, they're a great, they're a great asset to a marketing plan to have a referral strategy, but they're not predictable. Like you cannot sell a business off your referrals. You have to have a system in place. And I mean, like people are like, well, marketing is expensive. You know what happens with marketing? The more you pay, the less expensive it is. Yeah. Because it's consistency in building that data. And people don't understand that. And I mean, and there's ways to market for a lot less money if you don't want to gamble on paid ads. I'll give an example. Me and Ray are meeting with a company next week that is a LinkedIn agency, Mm -hmm. right? They use a mixture of LinkedIn automation and humans as part of your business strategy to bring inbound leads to your company from highly targeted people and knowing your avatar. 
that only costs us a couple hundred bucks a month. That's good. Right. That, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not going to break the bank, but it's going to be inbound. That's a strategy. That's not referral based. That's a strategy. Right. Yeah. So like it, people think it's this crazy like thing, but you, you just need something that's inbound or over time to get people coming to you besides just referrals because referrals are unreliable. Yeah. Mm, no, it was weird. Uh, so absolutely. And kind of like what you're talking about is when you have referrals, um, you're hoping that someone you did business with passes your info on to someone else, right? Mm -hmm. This is the same problem with business cards where you hand someone a business card and you're like, oh, I hope that person calls me eventually or doesn't just throw it away or lose it or it gets damaged or anything. And so we live in a world of massive technologies that hope can- Hope is a terrible sales strategy. <laughs> Correct. And so I know, so if I'm selling tent, right, I'll just use that as an example right now, because we're, I'm finally getting a handle on my numbers, right? If I put out, I'll just run high and say $200 just on Facebook, right? And I'll get a lead that I can sell a tent job, right? Now, if my tent jobs are usually $1,000, I make $800 for every $200 I spend on tent. And then you take your material which is super cheap tim's not tint's not that expensive which is great <laughs> mm -hmm. and then you add that up over time so i know if i need a certain amount of money i need to put in this much in advertising right and that's just across the board right. so but it, it and at least it might change a little bit but that's pretty standard right so i think that's the problem with like you said between that and referrals where I could talk to a thousand people and no one sends me a client. Right. Yeah. You need to build a predictable system. That's the biggest thing. And I like, I like how you brought up sales too, is like understanding um, going in that and stuff and building it's marketing sales is like, almost, <laughs> at least around here. Um, I like networking. I don't like, I'm not a hard salesperson. Like I'm not like a, a pushy salesperson. Um, I just want a definite, I, I, put, I did a post about this too recently. Cause it's like some, actually it's funny. And I'm glad I, I actually talked about this. I get complimented today on my sales ability. And if you know me, I like we were talking about before, I don't follow uh, a script or anything. I just have two outcomes in mind. One, I'm trying to disqualify the person I'm talking to from buying us, which is a total debt. Like people that blows people's mind, right? People are like, I don't understand. Why would you want to disqualify the person? Because it changes the dynamic of the thing. Like I, like if I'm, if we're having a conversation and it's, and I'm trying to find a way to see that you're not a good fit to work with us, I'm not chasing you. I'm not being needy. I'm not coming off as whatever. I'm actually trying to 100% make sure you're a good fit for our program if it's a sales thing. So once they pass that and we, you know, like once we get through that and I do everything in my power to disqualify them and it turns out they're actually a good fit for what we do, then I don't care if they have a yes or a no, or I would never try to push in this fucking hate car salesman. Um, <laughs> like I never try to push anybody to, to say yes or anything. All I want is a commitment. Yes, no, or a definite date and time to make that definite decision. That's all I want is a commitment. And I think that's a really good way about going or, you know, like 
to a sales, like approaching a sales call or approaching a conversation with someone that you want to buy from you or work with you without worrying about being pushy or not. As long as you focus on getting a definite decision, um, a yes, no, or a definite time to make a definite decision, you're not wasting your time. Yeah, absolutely. And this has always been my, I would say probably the biggest thing about what I don't like about sales. And I, so I always use car sales as an example, right? Yeah, me so too. Everyone knows the, like the golden age of car sales was like the seventies, eighties, you know, maybe early nineties, you know, when you think about a car salesman, that's kind of the image you get with the wavy arm, people and all that <laughs> stuff right so you yeah. ha- you now have a thousand bro yeah i've seen them before and they make me laugh hysterically every time someone's like put out the wave arm dude and i'm like can we no. not do that <laughs> no we look crazy right so so the point of it is so you have 30 years later or 40 years later oh man i always forget how old i am um you you now live in an age where Anytime someone steps onto a car sale lot, their guard is up. They're instantly ready for a fight. And because of the golden age of car sales, now people like 30, 40 years later are just ready for a fight every time. Right. So they've done this to themselves. (laughs) Right. So I get my point about that is, so when it comes to sales, you know, a lot of sellers or a lot of the buyers will come in and give you every excuse for why they don't want to buy or, and they'll just blow you off afterwards because instead of just telling you, I'm not interested. And because of a lot of the sales tactics from bad salespeople, you get, you, you get this reaction. So instead of finishing conversation up and being like, I, this product is not for me, I'm not interested. And having the seller, the, the salesperson be like, okay, thank yeah. you. Right. That's, that's it. That's just like, I, and I, again, I understand sometimes you need to push a little harder to get a sale. I've done it. I've done used car sales. I've been there. Right. But at the same time, at some point, I'm not interested in your damn product stop asking me and i and now and even if i come out just take my own point as an example you know i have this one woman hounding me she's been bothering me for like a month and a half now now when we first spoke i came out and said i am not interested at all you will never get me to buy from you yeah like that yeah like i will never buy from you i'm not interested in your product Thank you. Thank you for showing me and educating me. No, right? It's been, again, it's got to have been at least a month and a half, two months now. She will not stop contacting me like once a week, once every two weeks. Let's let's dig into that though. Is that contacting? Because I I like that. So like the way I helped Ray build his sales funnel and I recommend Mm -hmm. everybody do this. And this has to do with, this applies to car sales too, which I think would totally change the game as well. Um, anytime somebody books a call with us, they're interested. It's never a not there. And they're, we built the front end funnel. Nobody gets on the phone with us unless they're interested, period. Yeah. So if, if 
90% of businesses out there came from that approach, you would do like your conversations with people would go a lot smoother, right? Yeah. If you made it so when you got on the phone with somebody, I don't care if you're selling cars, I don't care if you're selling billboards, I don't care if you're selling co-working, I don't care if you're selling, you know, like marketing. If somebody gets on the phone with you, it shouldn't be a question of if they're interested or not. If you don't know if they're interested or not, when they get on the phone with you, that's not a sales call. Yeah. Right. So that right there, that would solve a million freaking problems. But now let's say you you were nice enough. And I'm really glad you told this lady. You were like, hey, you're like, I'm not interested. Now, is she following up to try to like, is she following up and being salesy or is she following up to just net like talk with you and network or provide value? Um, I'm guessing she's from your reaction. She's following up and being salesy. Yes. Because normally if like somebody comes to, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, but if I, we're talking with somebody and somebody goes, I am not interested, I will never sell them again. Never. And that does not mean I won't contact them. That means I will never sell them again. Yeah. That means I will never approach them and try to sell them. However, I may keep them in my Rolodex and see how I can work with them or in the terms of how do I provide value to this individual? Because someday they might be interested, mm -hmm. but I'm never going to sell them again. I'm never going to push my product on them. I'm never going to ask them again if they're interested now. But if you provide value and you build, you know, like that relationship with somebody, if they ever are interested, you bet you're going to turn around and come to you. Absolutely. And like I said, if it was that, I wouldn't have an issue. That's right. not what it was. And that wasn't even what the initial conversation was about, right? So this particular person, just to kind of get into another area of sales that drives me absolute batshit crazy, um, it started as a networking meeting. So it was me doing a one-to-one -one with her, right? This is bad. Yeah. yeah. So one-to-one, <laughs> -one. she reaches out to me. Hey, let's get together and do a one-to-one. -one. All right, Cool. Tell me about your business. So I tell her co-work, strike fear, NH10, all my stuff, right? Have a good conversation about it. Awesome. Let me tell you about my business. Out comes the presentation. Can you screen share? And, blah, and she starts 20 plus minutes of her MLM <laughs> and how I can make money on her pipeline and I'm you, you didn't ask for the meat and potatoes. You just wanted to know, you know, Correct. like she having dinner tonight. Yeah. And then like, oh man, straight sales pitch from, you know, talk about not reading the room. Right. No. And I'm like, I run the New Hampshire business show. I get pitched on MLMs constantly, constantly. So much so that when I was talking to Gail about, uh, American entrepreneur, I'm like, there, no will, there will be no MLMs, right? None. If the owner of an MLM wants to come out, like the person who started the company, that's a conversation we can have, right? Because that's interesting. If you're coming on the podcast to talk to me about your MLM, I'm not interested. I'm telling it again here in my bonus segment. Don't do it. I might actually do one and just laugh at somebody. <laughs> it'll be a very short podcast right i know i feel you know on this same metric you know i kind of i feel bad because people get into them with the right intentions yeah like for the most and they don't know what they don't know so they're taught obnoxiously right yeah. 
And mm-hmm. so it's like, I know, I know people who get into MLMs. I know several people who have one, you know, like who have gotten to Mary Kay and stuff like that. And they honestly just want to make a buck. They want to yeah. make a buck. They like the product. They want to help people, stuff like that. But the thing is, it's not a business. Mm-hmm. It's, you're, you're a glorified salesperson for the company and that's fine. But it's like at that point, if you want to be a salesperson, there are much more profitable things you can go sell than that. Right. So it's like that won't make you pay into it to do stuff. So it's like I don't I agree with you. I don't like MLMs, but I like it's the people I'm the people behind them. I wouldn't laugh at them because I met a lot of good people who are just like it's like getting scammed. Like they're just like, you know, it's like they have good intentions, but they don't know what they don't know. And that, that drives me nuts because I absolutely hate MLMs, but I know some people in the arena who are just like blindsided by like, oh, I think this is a business. I think this is an opportunity. And it's like you have these people have to be reeducated that they could go easily if they want to sell something, take the IP, the knowledge in your head. You're probably an expert at something put it into a program, put it onto a digital program, course, membership, community, podcast, something, and go sell yourself. You don't have to sell that product. Correct. And I think, again, this kind of touches back on what we talked about earlier about the golden age of car sales is MLM people are doing this to themselves because of how they sell their product. And Mm -hmm. it might be too early, but I don't think it is. I think people are already starting to understand this. But give it five, 10 years, and the minute that comes up, everyone's going to be like, no, I'm not interested in your car sales or your MLM or whatever, right? And right. I mean, you already you already kind of see this. So that's how why they have to keep changing the name. It's not an MLM. It's uh, network marketing or it's, um, it's this other thing. They always have a new name for it so they can like try to keep it yeah. going. But, the, but the, again, the biggest problem is, you know, if any time in a conversation you have to stop and say, I know it sounds like an MLM, but it isn't, I gotta, I got, I have something to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I know it sounds like that's funny. I know it that's sounds funny. like an MLM, but it's not. I'm like, then it is. Like, that's like, kind of- I'll tell you real quick do you own the company? No. Do you work for the company? No, or you're an independent contractor of the company and you paid to sell something, it's an MLM. Yeah. 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 Just how like, is, but I mean, like it's that's a funny conversation. So New Hampshire doesn't need more of those. Um, luckily nope. I run into them like you all the time, thankfully. But I do the only ones I know are the ones in Mary Kay. But I mean, like they don't I don't get pitched MLMs. The only thing I get pitched all the freaking time is Instagram and uh like Forex stuff. That's it. Yeah, I get those a lot too, because that irritates me. I'm not. I'm not in the forks markets or anything. But that irritates me because they turned forks into an MLM, and forks isn't originally an MLM. It's just a freaking um, like f- like it's day trading the markets. Yeah. Right. Like forks itself is not an MLM, but they beat that to death so much that anytime anybody brings up forks, they're like MLM. Yeah, and like I said, this is the same thing with. Um... It's, it's almost not even MLM. It's like, it's almost like a scam, right? Yeah. Where, Cause you kind of look at MLMs as a scam too. And it's like those words that, you know, you're like, oh, they just give you a really bad feeling. Like it's like car sales, Forex, um, any of the Instagram stuff, which is too bad. Cause I really like Instagram. I use it for my apparel company also. Yeah. Right? And then 
guru is kind of getting there too. So when anyone talks about that word, like coaches, life coaches, that kind of that's uh, unfortunate too about coaches and stuff. But I see why it's getting up there and like intolerable words. Yeah, because there's so many people. Like I always look at things as when you get to the point where the government starts looking to regulate it. It's probably <laughs> oversaturated. But like, so I, like me and Ray are real estate guys. We like real estate and stuff. Wholesaling is becoming regulated in real estate because every guru on the face of the planet is trying to teach it, even though yeah. nobody, like, it's funny because everyone's teaching it, but the ones winning aren't really doing it. Yeah. And that's why it's always amusing, right? People think it's the easiest way to get in. They try, they make some massive mistakes. This is the same problem we see with MLMs, um, car salesmen. You know, because there's such a high turnover of sales staff, they yeah. kind of give them a really crappy education and like sink or swim, you're probably going to be gone on a week anyway. So you have this, this problem. And same with coaches. So in New Hampshire, a couple of years ago, they were thinking about making an, some type of education requirement for like life coaches and that type of. New Hampshire specifically? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I saw it on the book somewhere. And so this was, this is one of those conversations where, you know, there's so many people getting involved in it who are improperly trained, um, not doing it properly, scamming that the government looks to crack down on it, put some sort of regulation on it, you know, something. So your bad habits literally create problems for people down the line. And yeah, so I think that's something that I think all businesses coaching anyways, like what, how does somebody typically, cause that's a, it's, it's such an interesting niche. The simple fact that I've never really seen anybody teach somebody to be a life coach. So to me, that's I see it all the time. Really? Oh man, yeah. I've literally, so. I, and seven years of being this, I'm I should you not. I have not seen a guru like I know I I know a ton of life coaches, but I've never seen anybody teaching somebody to become one. If that yeah, makes yeah, sense. yeah, like, yeah. that's really interesting. So just like words. Now that you've said you've never seen it, you're going to see it everywhere. <laughs> and once you get into the right crowd, you'll see it all the time, right? So, which is funny because you're in um, you're in a lot of the same groups I am. So, like hardcore closer, yeah, those areas. I run into them all the time. You just have to the people that like to teach people how to do things. Yeah, you know? yeah essentially, because the problem is life coach can be a lot of different things, right? Okay, so um because so like, coaches in general like so, just, so absolutely so just the okay, same problem same yeah i've seen people teaching coaching so yeah. teaching people how to become coaches yeah. i've just never seen it like life coach specifically so this is the problem we just talked about with mlms you know the word everything keeps changing so they can kind of obscure what it means i'm a life coach i'm right. i'm this i'm a motivational coach i'm a business coach they all kind of sit in this weird thing and they kind of cross paths a lot. And so I, I told this to Gail once where I'm like, usually when I talk to someone, they, I roll my eyes the entire time they're talking, but Gail's one, she's one of a kind. I love her. <laughs> Absolutely. We love you, Gail. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, eventually she wants to come into these two. So eventually it might be the three of us sitting here talking about stupid things. Cool. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but so I always laugh at, you know, but sometimes you run into coaches where I'm like, what are you doing? Like, do you, have you ever left like your apartment or city? Like, how can you teach someone something where you've right. never left? 
you know, the greater Boston area, right? Like how much right. life experience do you have? So just problems I have with the industry. And that's why, that's why you'll see whenever, and like, especially since, and I, since I kind of like started, I mean, it's funny because back in the New Hampshire business show on the mid 2020, we did the first interview, which was around Cody Capital and uh-huh. kind of involved into this bigger thing, which I'm very happy with, but that's why I don't like sell coaching or any of that stuff is because I just, I get a bad taste in my mouth and I don't feel like I've had it. A lot of people constantly disagree. Like they'll say that I have experience. Others don't. And I do, but I don't like teach. I don't like selling teaching really. If that makes sense. I love educating and helping. I don't like selling it. And it's funny because like the stuff I've really sold for the most part, besides um, digital, besides IA and building that, it has been around the idea of I've only been paid to teach what I failed at and then the right yeah. way to do it from that failure. And I've always gone from that perspective, not from a look at me, look what I've done and accomplished. It's always been like, all right, so you want to, you want to do this, right? Well, um, I freaking screwed it up for six years doing it this way. So I'm going to first teach you how not to do it. And I'm going to teach you the way I'm doing it now. Right. And it's never been from this like top down view. And that's the only way I've ever like felt good about really selling any type of education to anyone. Yeah. And that's the approach a lot of people take is that's kind of the whole life coach thing is they're teaching you from their experiences but I don't want to be a life coach. No, <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just like, I've never considered myself that it's when you Brennan's having a realization. He's like, Oh no, I've been a life coach the entire time. <laughs> I don't have a business selling this stuff. So that works. It's just people come to be like, Oh, you've done so-and-so. How do, how can I do that? And I'd be like, all right, hop on the phone with me a couple hundred bucks. Or if like w- once in a while, I find something really cool that a lot of people come to me, I'll put together a training on it and then they can pay to watch that. But it's not like, I don't have a coach. I definitely don't have a coaching business. Yeah. I I like congrats on anyone who does though, because I do believe they're needed. Like, yeah. What does Gail consider herself? You know, she's told me like 70 times. She a business coach or a life coach or consult. Like what type of coach? She's empowerment coach. She's a coach that gets results. That's the thing. Like I think, I, like, I think I, she's. I think she considers herself an empowerment coach. I forget what she calls it. When she, I'll have to ask her. She's gonna smack me one of these times. Like I've told you fifty times. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right because she has the empowerment podcast, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So Empower, she's, empowerment coach sounds right. Sounds right. We're, we're gonna roll the dice. We're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna watch this and be like what are you two hooligans talking about idiots <laughs> never said that <laughs> i call the empowerment okay, process like, but it's not <laughs> there's there's i think a good life coach and this is because of my experience at gail um and i've dropped a lot of money on coaches before and with my experience with gail actually meeting a good one I think a life coach, a good life coach is less about what they know and a less about and more about helping you discover yourself. Yeah. That's my opinion. I'm not a coach. I don't know what, but that's how I felt. Like every time I paid for a coach to teach me something that I didn't know, it's kind of not been good. But every time when I like worked with Gail and she was like, Hey, you know, like digging into me and my life and all that stuff at a high level and helping me uncover things about myself. That was really good. Like that was actually changing shit. 
So it's really interesting when you look at it from that point of view, like you can, you kind of have to be a really good people person and really yeah. with empathy, empathy and psychology to be a good coach. And so that begs, the, that begs the question, should anybody be able to be a coach or not? Mm, yeah. I, I always look at it from the libertarian standpoint. Not everyone can do something. Um, the government shouldn't be involved, but people should know when to right. when to pull back. So Gail said this on the last podcast where she said a lot of people have imposter syndrome, and it seems like the ones who should have imposter syndrome don't. Yes, I remember right? that. Yeah. So it, it we actually just you made me think of a new idea for another segment. So like we were saying, this one is going to be once a month, um, and then I'm trying to get come up with three other more. So I wrote one down called the worst coach. So <laughs> I'm going to see how this plays out in my head. But what I want to do is um, I have a friend in particular. I was hanging out on this best weekend and our standing just kind of acceptance of a relationship mm-hmm. is that um, we are always going to make the worst decisions and do the stupidest things while we're hanging out. I like that. That's a great business plan. So, so the podcast might (laughs) turn into people submitting um, questions and we're just going to give them off the cuff, probably the worst, (laughs) the worst advice they'd probably ever get with a disclaimer of don't do any of the things that we're telling you. (laughs) Don't come out. I love Q&A. That'd be funny because I love Q&A. Get people to submit stuff, come in and be like, hey, you know, like you should definitely (laughs) sarcasm running wild. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember that I had this quote in high school. Um, we were trying to figure out, we were starting a bonfire and we we're going through the store, like what would burn, right? So I remember we were looking at this one, I don't even remember what it was. It was some type of like paint thinner or something. Right. And, it's, and, it's, and I'm like, you know, we should play it safe and use the gasoline. And that just, that quote just stuck in my head because it's super funny because it's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so anyway, that was kind of like one of my friends who was like threw batteries into a fire. He thought yeah. that was a good idea. No. <laughs> yeah. So I might go with that route. That sounds like a fun segment. I'm gonna play with the idea. Yeah, just, do you have do you have a for, do you have a, a form where people can su- submit? I know you can use 99 inbound, which is a free form software. They allow you to create two forms and they can take all the questions that go straight to your email. I might, I will play with some ideas and I'm going to figure that out because I would love, I would love to have like a once a month, you know, mailbag craziest ideas for these questions. Yeah. And it could be something we do for each podcast. You know, it could be something that this week you and me talk on something. Gail could have something who knows. I'm going to, I'll figure it out as we go. American entrepreneur is brand new. It can grow into anything I wanted to run it, talk with it. Go ahead. Absolutely. Um, So I'm running. I'm running with the idea of all the random things for our segment. I'm not sure. It is still a work in progress. <laughs> so we will we will see what I come up with for this lovely, this I lovely mean, segment. I mean, you and I are both ADHD like crazy, so we're going to be all over the place no matter what. Unless yeah. we have a specific purpose to the podcast. And then that's Absolutely. not even And that was that's how this whole podcast went. We started with... Uh, what does New Hampshire mean in the beginning? And now we're talking about sales, MLMs, and <laughs> life coaches, right? So we kind of totally deviated from our plan, which is perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> so awesome. So that was a 
about an hour. Call it, uh, call it off the wall. <laughs> I, I'll write that one on too. Off the wall. All right. I'm playing with a couple ideas and I'll see what we can get our when I get my hands on. We'll see. Awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. So thank you everyone for hanging out with us for this past hour and listening. If you made it this far, congratulations. <laughs> if you have questions or anything, other things you want to talk about, definitely throw that off the wall. I like that actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to run with it. I knew you would. I, I kind of like it. It's a good idea. You know, this is a great thing. So side story, the whole strike fear company started because Jesus walked up to me at my desk one day and was like, Hey dude, what do you think about hats? And I'm like, Hats are great. What about them? He's like, we should buy a hat press so we can make them. So then I bought like the six in one, you know, right. machine press hat maker. And that's where Strike Fear came from. Right. So I, I love when people are just like, what about this? And cool. Sounds like a business. <laughs> sounds like that sounds like entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, like I was saying, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, cheers for staying this long and listening to just ramble about some crazy stuff. Uh, definitely reach out if you have anything you want to submit as well. And like I said, uh, it's awesome. Brandon, how do people reach out to you? Uh, Brandon, my name B R A N D O N at Cody Capital, C O T Y Capital.com. That's my email. You'll reach me there. Cool. And I'm Chris Mastrano with the American Entrepreneur. You can find me on pretty much every platform, American Entrepreneur, in some form or another, whatever. If you live in America, you know Chris Pastrana. (laughs) Eventually. Or not, right? Who cares? But it'll be fun. Cool. See you guys. Yep. See you guys next month. Everyone be good.